0: Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day. But if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. His name is Joshua. Joshua took over leading the hosts of Israel after Moses' departure. At this point in time, We're taking a look at the book of Joshua, and they have crossed the Jordan River and are about to head into the promised land. Let's get started. The time of sojourning was over, the times of desert wandering and trudging through the wasteland of the Sinai wilderness. It had been a lifetime, literally, but now in a very short time, all that was changing radically. First. There was the crossing of the Jordan on dry ground. Next, there was the circumcising of all the men of war. Next, the manna, the bread from heaven, stopped. You see, when God says it's time, things can happen quickly. For Joshua, this was more change than he'd seen in, Willa a really long time. But it didn't stop there. Joshua, you know, was a one-step-at-a-time kind of guy. You try leading millions of anxious people into a whole new existence, and you soon realize that you need to be focused on what's next. But he wasn't sure what was next. Moses had always called those shots. So there in front of him were the massive, impregnable walls of Jericho, a city filled with hostile adversaries. And it came to pass, the Bible says, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to a servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. That's all in Joshua chapter 5. Now clearly, Joshua was a gutsy guy. Here he was in proximity of a formidable enemy stronghold. And suddenly, a man With sword-drawn appeared. Courageously, he approached the man and posed what he thought was a reasonable question. No, he gets in reply, kind of like saying, you need to open your eyes. You don't even have the right question. Then the man explains to the new leader that he was not just the man, but the man, capital M-A-N the commander or prince of Jehovah's army. This is, in fact, Jesus pre-incarnate. Well, how do we know that? Because he accepts Joshua's worship. It's forbidden to worship anyone but God. And the commander tells him that the ground on which he is standing is holy. And, you know, only one thing makes anything holy. That's the presence of he who is. Holy, holy, holy. Now, Joshua had already done a face plant. He was prostrate in worship, but Jesus told him to remove his sandals. And it is this command we're going to look at and consider further. Now his feet were undoubtedly already dirty from walking, and removing his sandals would place his feet in direct contact with the ground. But you see, the dirt wasn't the point. I think the point was that, like Jesus said, the ground on which he was worshiping was holy, and his sandals had been in contact with the unholy, that is, the world, so to speak. Now, it's important to note, our holy God cannot and will not be polluted or tainted with the unholy. The unholy cannot abide in his presence. You see, we tend to pollute, oh, not intentionally, but we just can't help it. Wherever we go, whatever we do, our stinking flesh filled with sin is there. You know, Paul wrote, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? You know, even when we worship, it's there. Recall that after his resurrection, Jesus said to dear Mary Magdalene, Don't cling to me as she worshipped at his feet, he had yet to present himself spotless to the Father. And so we also, like Joshua, need to, I'll say, shed our shoes before Jesus. Of course, I don't mean our physical shoes. That's because they are symbolic of how we have made contact with the sin-filled world, the spiritual muck we have trod through, and that clings to us, must be shed in the presence of the holy. Now recall, at the Last Supper, Christ principally displayed servanthood to the disciples while washing their feet. But he also spoke of the same symbolic cleanliness with Peter. It says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not now understand. But, You will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, Now he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You can see John chapter 13 for that. The same thing happened to Moses as well. It says in Exodus chapter 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw, he turned aside to look. God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. So the lesson for us is that there's a time to shed your shoes, so to speak, to wash feet. Now, we who are saved are spiritually cleansed by the atoning blood of Jesus. So we're not speaking here of salvation. Rather, we're addressing getting instruction, that is, hearing from the Lord. Like Joshua before Jericho, like Moses before leading Israel out of Egypt, and like Peter before the crucifixion, the resurrection, and his part. In leading the church when we shed the footwear we are preparing to learn what's next lord what's my part in your plan so how do we shed our shoes well it all points to the feet to our walk first john one if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie And do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's not the physical dirt that hinders our walk. It's the darkness of this sin-filled world, what contact with it does to us. Shed those points of contact. And walk in the light. And you'll enjoy fellowship with Jesus and your brethren. Now, you know how you've touched the world. You know where you got compromised and thus soiled by sin. Confess that to the Lord. That's shedding your sandals. He'll do the rest. As with Peter in the upper room, he'll wash you. Isaiah 1 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Although your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's wonderful. Do you want to hear from God? That's always on holy ground. It's his presence that makes it that way. Now presently, and even more so, in the coming days, the world is going to fall rapidly into greater and greater chaos. And many are going to need to hear from God and learn, Lord, what's next? What do I do? To face the chaos on your own, it's a guarantee that you'll get swept down by it into the pit of hell. Right now, God is calling out all who will listen. If you will hear, friend, shed your shoes, confess your sin, listen to the good news of his forgiveness through Christ and obey what he tells you to do. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast and may you realize more of his grace today.